0: God, we just thank you for the moment to be together, even though it's an hour earlier. um, It's a joy just to stop and be together as a community. And so we invite you into the space. We ask that you would speak, that you would move, that your spirit would have your way with us, that you would teach us would would you give us uh, an openness to what you would say and a clarity of where you're moving? And then would you give us the courage to respond? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we're starting the series when the sky falls and, and heaven crashes in. And it's this reality. I don't know about you, uh, when we're talking about prayer, and I don't know if that's like the most like engaging subject for some of you, because if you're like me, and I grew up in church in church world, prayer was one of those things that it almost felt like um, flossing. You know, like you go to the dentist, and they're like, "Did you floss?" And you lie, you know, and and you know that you always should do it, and there always should do more of it, but you don't actually do it. And if I'm really honest, if I'm really honest, that often has been my approach. To prayer, and, and we want to take for the next four weeks in teaching and 40 days as a community and and, and begin to uncover or rediscover this lost uh, reality of prayer, of what does it look like to really talk to God, to commune to, with God? What would it look like to not just feel like our prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling, but, but is there a reality where when we talk to God that, that it's almost like the sky falls and heaven ushers in to our very presence where we experience and know God. And so, as a result, we're going to take the next four weeks as a community and just begin to journey uh, in this area of prayer. And what I find interesting is for In the New Testament, the only recorded question that we have the disciples ever asking Jesus to teach them about. They asked them about a lot of things. In fact, sometimes they even had their moms ask them, uh, ask Jesus for things like to sit at the right hand and whatnot. But the only thing they ever asked Jesus to teach them was, Lord, teach us pray. There's something about the way Jesus prayed and his connection with God that they saw that, and that is recorded for us, teach us to pray. And so we're going to actually spend the next four weeks in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus teaches teaches us how to pray. Um, this month, my son, uh, my littlest son, turns four years old, March 25th. Uh, really fun, but the when we had three kids, it, like, wrecked our worlds, you know? I, I think I shared a couple weeks ago. I mean, it was just chaos. It was like, two was like, okay, we can do this. Three. So if you have two, yeah, it's, it's like the perfect amount. I'm just saying. <laughs> three, we wouldn't trade them, but it's like, wow, mama, this is a lot of work. Uh, and what's fun, though, is we had this, and we try to do this. We got a lot of babies that have been born, and we love it. I love seeing uh, all these new families emerge. Uh, but what we try to do uh, is, if you have a baby, hey, how can we can give you a meal? And when we're at our older church, at our sending church, Westgate, they did that for us. They would bring meals for the, for the next month or so to us. And during one of those times, uh, my boss at the time, a guy named Steve Clifford, who's the lead pastor at Westgate, he and his wife were going to bring us a meal. And so my wife tells Ella, who's five at the time, and she's like, hey, Ella, daddy's boss is going to bring us, uh, is going to come over for dinner tonight. Well, I mean, her eyes got wide and big, and this big grin on her face, and she's so excited. And I'm just going, "Wow, man, Steve's really left an imprint on her. That's incredible." And and this was her response: "Jesus is coming for dinner." <laughs> Dude, I love that. And you know what? She got it right. She got it absolutely right. My previous church, Steve Clifford, is the lead of it. Jesus is the head. Jesus is the leader. At at Awakening, I'm it's not ryan's church it's not jay's church it's not michael's church this is jesus's church and he is the head and he is the leader and he is the one we take our cue from isn't it amazing that a five-year-old can have better theology than many 50 year olds and we switch that all the time don't we I, I just thought it was just so profound. I love it that the, that the truths of the Bible are so incredibly simple that a five-year-old can grasp them, and yet they're so profound that it takes a lifetime to begin to totally unpack what that means. And uttered from her lips, she got it absolutely right. Simple. Simple. Simple truth, yet deeply, deeply significant. Deeply, deeply profound. I think we wrestle with that. I think when we hear something simple, we, we immediately think it's not significant. We dismiss it, and yet, yet the reality is it's in its simplicity where it has its most profound meaning. And so this morning, we're going to talk about simple prayer? What does it mean to simply pray? Jesus is going to invite us into that conversation and strip back all the things that we add to it, because in this conversation, you and I have added so many different things to prayer, and you know, I got to stand up, I got to sit down, I got to say this, and if I don't say it right, and and we try to, you know, if you've been around, you try to become more sophisticated, and you know, you ever notice how people have a different, like, um, tone when they pray? lord god but then you talk to them hey how are you you know it's like wait a second how'd your voice get so deep and and we complicate it don't we let me give you a working definition this will be our working definition for the series on prayer prayer is engaging an ongoing love relationship with your heavenly father Prayer is simply engaging in an ongoing love relationship with your heavenly Father. Prayer is simply keeping company with the God of the universe. It is an invitation from Him to you to saying, I want to be with you. I long to know you and to be known. I long for you to know me. I long to have a conversation that is two ways. See, when we complicate or add to things, you know this, when we complicate or add things to our relationship with God, and we do this, I think the further along we get into it, that's why like Ella can say things so simply and yet it's so true, is what what happens is it shifts from being this dynamic relationship with God, this life-giving relationship with God, when we add to and complicate, it turns into a dogmatic religion. Lifeless and it 's about form see prayer in, in its essence, in its simplicity, is simply engaging this is all this is the longing of god 's heart for you is engaging in a love relationship with your heavenly Father, with the God of the universe. I love how Richard Foster said it. He said this simple prayer notice not. Not that it's insignificant, simple prayer, yet deeply profound prayer involves ordinary people bringing ordinary concerns to a loving and compassionate Father. It it just involves ordinary people See, we complicate things because we kind of think prayer is for the super spiritual. We think it's for, you know, it's just for the pastors and the missionaries, and maybe it's for the super tithers. Maybe God hears them better than me, but it couldn't be for me. And when we strip it back, it's for ordinary people like you and me. Ordinary. Just, hey, we're just going about life and ordinary concerns. It's the things of life God wants to hear about. It's the daily concerns. It's what's on your heart, the joys and the sorrows of the moment. I remember when I was on staff over at Westgate and I'd have like this... this, we would have a staff meeting midweek, and I'd have like, oh, man, I really hope people would I, I would need prayer for this. And I'd come in, because I have a hard time asking for prayer. I don't know about you. It's a combination of insecurity and pride. It's a little bit of both. And, and so I finally like, got up the courage to say, hey, I really need prayer in this. And we'd go around the circle, and then someone would share what I consider like a, a real prayer request, you know. I'm like, oh, that's good, or oh, I'm not going through that. And so then I just, I was like, well— I just felt like, oh, my, it's, not, it's not that big of a deal. Right? And he says, no, no, no. Ordinary people bring in ordinary concerns. you know it's the object? To a loving and compassionate father. As I wrestle with this, I asked the question, if that's, if that's really true, if that's the essence of prayer, is engaging this ongoing love relationship, if that's true, And if it's just ordinary me bringing the everyday stuff to Him, why don't I pray more? I I came, for me, it may not be true for you, for me, I came down to a couple conclusions. One is a belief about me, and the second was a belief about God. When I really think about, well, for me, why don't I pray the way I feel like I should pray? Why does it feel more like flossing uh, than this ongoing relationship? One, I had two kind of fundamental beliefs about me. The first is a weird one to say. I just got to say it. Um, but it's, it's how I live or have lived. Is the first belief is I believe I'm kind of invincible. Now I don't mean that like I'm invincible. I realize that I'm not, but just in the way I behave. And and we know this, that our behavior always reveals what we believe, right? And, and so we've said that many times in here. So if you look at your behavior, it shows what you truly believe. And I look at how I behave, what it says is I can handle it. I got it. I don't need you. I can pull myself up from my own bootstraps. I'm independent. I'm strong. It's it's a sign of weakness to ask for help. And so, live with this invincibility. There you go. But then if I get to the heart of it, one of the deep roots for me is I feel unworthy. Man, if you only knew my heart, if you only knew my thoughts, you wouldn't want to hear from me. Who am I that you would want to take time. You don't, if you know where I've been, what I've done, I don't deserve, I don't deserve for the God of the universe to hear me, to engage in this love relationship. And that travels down to my belief about God. Underline, I think for many of us, we'd come to a fundamental belief about God that He doesn't really care. He's disinterested. Maybe he's angry. He's just tired of hearing me say the same old thing over and over and over again. I don't even know if he really likes me. And then if we're really honest in the quiet of our soul, we might even think or have thought this. I don't even think he can help. And it's in the middle of that moment that Jesus wants to speak to us. And it's in the middle of that place that he wants to extend this invitation back to prayer, to simply pray, back to engage in this ongoing love relationship with him. If you've got your Bibles, if you open them up to Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus says this, Ask and it will be open, uh, given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be open. If you got your pen just in your notes or in your Bible, just underline ask, underline seek, underline knock. Uh, each of those is a present active imperative. It, it's a command, and, and what it means is it's a command that has a beginning point that has ongoing results. In fact, a good way to translate this is ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Is this, is this continually bringing before to God what is in you, what you have? It, it isn't... Trying Trying to figure out, okay, how do I bring just the, uh, just the good things? He says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. And think about this. The God of the universe doesn't qualify what to ask for in this moment. And he has some qualifying things. You see the first the promise uh, uh, or the invitation, the command, and then the promise for everyone to ask receives. Like I haven't received. He who seeks finds. I knocked. I've asked and not received. And then he qualifies that with a picture. But notice he says, I just want to know you. I just want to hear from you. I just want to hear what's on your heart. I want to have you come and keep coming. And in that you will be changed and experience me. God invites us. God invites us to bring to Him the problems of today. Ask. Keep on asking. God invites us to bring the concerns of tomorrow, the weight on your shoulders of what you're worrying and anxious about, the needs of the present, your hopes of the future, desires and longing of your heart, the struggles of your soul, the dreams on your heart, the temptation and sin. In the moment, think about in those moments when you feel furthest with God. If you would just invite Him in, just go, God, I'm I'm here. See, simple prayer is bringing all of you before God, just as you are, knowing that He can handle it, knowing that He's He's not actually caught off guard because He already knows. He's already seen. He's like, I just want you. How you are. That's just the starting point. That's how every relationship that is healthy begins. Is when you just come, here I am, as I am. Ordinary. Broken. Where I'm at. You leave the sophistication. You... You allow your insecurities and doubt. You confess your self-reliance. And you're just honest before God. You say, here I am. See, that's the beginning. That's what a relationship looks like. And that's what God wants with you. It's not this perfect, I have it all figured out. It's just, here I am, God. And I'm just going to keep coming to you. And you have the invitation from the God of the universe. He says, I want to hear it. Now look at the picture that he gives us, because it is so brilliant. He says, verse 9, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children— How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, the picture is is simple. For those of us that have kids, we get this. If my son asks for bread, something that he needs, something that is necessary to life, I'm not going to give him a stone. And in fact, in my house, the way I grew up, you know, we just, if we asked for a dinner roll, my dad would huck it down. And so if he did stones, that would hurt. But ask for a fish and give him a snake. Now we get this. He says, even though we as human fathers are broken, this is evil. Even though there's times, even yesterday with my kids, my patience was low. I was tired and the allergies are killing me. Anybody else? They're killing me. And even though I didn't have the patience to respond well, and at times I raised my voice, and there's times when I don't discipline out of love, but I discipline out of anger. There's times when when I'd rather be watching TV instead of being engaged in their lives. Even though all those things are true about me, I still know how to give my kids what they need. And then you see this line, How much more? How much more does your heavenly father? That, that when you approach, and fundamentally, your thoughts about God will inform whether you go to God or not. Do you approach the God of the how much more or the God who is holding back? Because I'm telling you, when we're talking about prayer, engaging in an ongoing love relationships, some of you talking about a heavenly father, you're going, I don't really want that. Now let me let me maybe unpack why. Because right, in understanding this, we got to um, unpack our understanding of as God is Father. I did I wrote down just a couple thoughts. They're not in your notes. First, we are all deeply shaped by our earthly fathers, for better or for worse. In fact, so much so, research uh, of the role of the father in, in the lives of kids, the government has done an all-out, uh, uh, not only case study, but put tons of money to help fathers get back into the uh, role of their kids because they see the connection between overall well-being, be, being, uh, their connection to even the poverty line, connection to uh, drug abuse, all sorts of things in the role of the father uh, in the life of a kid. We are all deeply shaped by our earthly fathers, for better or for worse. We're shaped by them. Some of us had an absent dad. He wasn't around either by choice or by function. And so that shapes you. It you, builds up these walls of, I've got to be able to make it on my own. Some of us had an abusive dad. And when you think of a father you cringe it brings up only pain and heartache some of us had an angry dad, you never sure who was going to show up and when you walked through the door at home you weren't sure what it was going to look like and even some of you had an awesome dad, I just went with the A theme there, probably shouldn't have But no matter how awesome, he wasn't perfect. And what we got to understand first and foremost is you and I are deeply shaped by our fathers, and we either are reacting or responding uh, to that reality in our life. Every single one of us in this room, if we can just have this open confession, have daddy issues, okay? There's a reason that as when you're grown up, you talk about your parents. Second, our understanding of God is deeply shaped by our earthly father. You go back to that abusive dad and you're like, no, no, no. I, I, I think he's against me, angry dad. I, I got to hold on my own. I don't need you. You've developed a world where you have to live completely independent because that makes you feel safe and secure. And so you push away. So as you think about God and thinking about, as we're talking about engaging in this ongoing love relationship with the God of the universe, our picture of God, our image of Him as Father, begins to bubble up as our image and picture of our earthly Father, and it informs how we think about God as well, whether we know it or not. What I love, though, the truth is, we have. We have a God who's nothing like. Or maybe only has slim comparison to your earthly dad. Because you have a perfect, I have a perfect, heavenly father. You have a heavenly father who is able... You have a Heavenly Father who's accessible. You have a Heavenly Father who is approachable and caring and consistent. You have a Heavenly Father who is your protector and provider, who, who longs to speak wisdom and counsel. You have a Heavenly Father who has the very best for you. He even loves you enough to bring some correction and reproof that you might become who you are made to be. Is simply engaging in an ongoing love relationship with the God of the universe, Heavenly Father. So when you and I pray, when we stop and we engage in this, it, it, we do this. You come, we come as completely accepted in this moment, not based on what you've done, because, but because you're His kid. You come fully loved not based on where you've been, not based on how you feel, but because you're his kid. You come cherished as a cherished son or cherished daughter because you're his kid. And you come to a good and loving heavenly father who loves, listen to this, who loves to hear your voice and who delights to give you good things. That good things in the text there, that good gifts, is the qualifier, by the way, in how God answers our prayers. He's like, I'm going to give you what is good and what is best, and sometimes it's not in the timing, and a lot of times our wants aren't what is best, and He'll give us what we need, not necessarily what we want. When you pray, you come completely accepted, fully loved, cherished, son, daughter, of a good, loving, heavenly Father who delights, loves to hear a voice, and delights, think about this, his attitude, his disposition, he delights, think how much more you would want to actually have this conversation you realize God delights in you, God delights to hear you, God delights to be with you and to give you what is best and good in your life. Um, I try to do daddy dates with my kids. Uh, I don't do them very often, and uh, I honestly, that's an area you guys can hold me accountable. You can ask me, hey, have you done them? Because like over the summer, I was like, I'm going to do one every week, and it happened, I think, once over the summer. So that's just honest confession. So sometimes you hear these stories, and you like bu- puff them up, and I'm like, well, he does it all the this- No, I don't, but I did it this week, okay? And last Sunday, uh, we, uh, we did a daddy date together. Uh, my daughter and I, Ella, uh, Sunday afternoon after church, and you just could tell where she's wrestling with, and she's turning 10, but it feels like she's turning, she's 9, but 19. It's just a weird world for me, and it's like, okay, let's, let's go and hang out, and, and they're still at the age, which is awesome, where I can get them a $2 hot chocolate, and I'm the king of the world, you know, That's amazing. I don't know how long that's going to last, but I'm going to use it up until I can. Uh, One day they're going to go, hot chocolate? Okay. Ellen and I go and we get a hot chocolate together down at uh, the coffee shop and we sit and she has this little book. It's like a daddy and me book and she just wants to do some of these things, whether it's color or draw and it had all these questions and we just sat there for an hour and it had these questions that just guided our time. It's like, so you know, when you're a kid, what pets and animals and I've told them lots of stories about my pets and animals and uh, you know and you know, what'd you be, want to be when you were a kid and we were just talking about. It. I mean, we sat there for an hour. There is nothing like, hey, Ella, how's your soul? <laughs> you know? T- tell me your deepest concern. <laughs> What's your greatest temptation your faith? Face- you know, it just was sitting with my daughter at a pizza, talking, shooting the wind. And it's, as a dad, a moment I treasure just got to be there. We nothing big. Just just hang out. Just get a be together. It wasn't the it wasn't the you know what we talked about. It was that we were talking. It was that we were together, and nothing could replace that, and I just loved it. On Wednesday, I went out with Ryder, and you know, kind of had this like moment of with Ella, and I'm like, oh, maybe we'll have this conversation. And Ryder's uh, seven, for those that don't know, and and we go out and I get him a hot chocolate too you know I go back to the well you gotta use what you got and I mean we just sat there he didn't talk (laughs) We, we just sat there and he was so enamored with his hot chocolate and specifically the whipped cream on top and we sat there for 20 minutes and I just watched him and guess what It was just as amazing. I just, we didn't talk. There wasn't words. There wasn't this like deep moment. It's just, we were together and that was all that mattered. And that was the best part is we just enjoyed one another's presence and it was just silent. It was just, he was so focused on that. And then eventually, like 20 minutes up, he just kind of looks up at me and just like melted my heart Dad, I love you. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. And then we get in the car, and, and then he won't shut up, like in the car. I don't know what happened, you know. And so then I'm like, okay, that's the moment to talk. And I was like, cool. So that wasn't the moment, but that was the moment. And then on Fridays, kind of like in the mornings, I, it's a bit of a half day for me. So in the morning I do work, and then in the afternoon I just try to get stuff done around the house. And since Miles is the only one around the house, he's my, he's my buddy. He helps me work on stuff. And so we had our daddy date and, you know, he helped me clean my car and we're doing stuff together and, uh, you know, we're painting uh, my office and, you know, I got him a little paint brush, you know, a little paintbrush roll thing. is just his size and we're, you know, rolling this wall together. And, and the fun part for me was like, in his mind, he thought he was helping me. You know, Daddy, I'm going to help you do this. And his, the way he understood it was he was coming to help his dad. And, and the reality was, is it didn't really help. <laughs> you know, it made a mess on the floor, but that was okay. He was with me. That was the point. We got to do it together. It's with me. See, If we would just not be so sophisticated and not complicate things and just realize the God of the universe is your perfect heavenly Father who just wants to be with you. And there isn't this secret formula and this isn't to-do's and he's just like, I love to hear your voice. And there's times when we're doing things and we're actually thinking that we're helping Him and the reality is He's God. We can't help Him. He, but he loves, he loves it anyways because we're with Him. See, that's all prayer is. It's ordinary people like you and me bringing the ordinary, everyday things of life to a loving and compassionate Heavenly Father. Let me give you maybe some words of, of guidance that maybe help this week as I pray that you will step into that love relationship. First is by a guy named Richard Foster where he says this, that, that every faith journey is tailor-made. I love that. Because I think the temptations for us is to look around at how this person connects with God and this person. And so we compare and we like, oh, I need to do it that way or God met him that way. All three of my kids, they were very different because they're very different. See, God meets us as we need him, not in the ways that we always want him. Every faith journey is tailor-made. So like, like, prime example, I'm a journaler. I'm a journaler. I love to journal. And you'll hear me talk about it. But I have a good friend, not a journaler. In fact, it feels like hell, you know, to journal. Well, don't journal. That doesn't work. You might be a walker and a talker. You you might be having activity. You might just need silence where you just go, I'm not going to compare others and just realize God's going to meet me Because I'm his kid uniquely the way I'm made and be with me. And I'm just going to sit with him. Second things by C.S. Lewis. I love what C.S. Lewis hears. Bring to him what is in you, not what ought to be in you. See, this is how we complicate, I think, prayer a lot of times. Is we bring to him what we think we should be instead of just honestly who we are. You can't hide from God anyways, and He already knows. Think about if I sat with my kids and they were pretending to try to be what I wanted them to be. It would grieve my heart. It it, it would break down my relationship with them because I just want to know them. And where you come to God and you just, in the honesty of who you are, this is me. All of me. This is the doubts. This is the pain. This is the wrestling. This is the longing and the dreams and the hoping. Here I am. And by the way, God can handle it. You're not bringing anything to him that will surprise him or that's too big or that's too unholy. Just read the Psalms and you'll notice some guys that were really honest with God. Bring to Him what is in us, not what ought to be. And then finally, you got to create space. you got to create space to be with God. That's what we're doing as a church these 40 days. In fact, yeah, on your blue card, if you want to do it with us, we're going to send out texts uh, twice a day. And if you want that, you can get the... Uh, you just need your name, phone number, and uh, carrier. And, and we'll just send you in the morning and in the evening. And just designating, like, if it's two minutes, if it's five minutes, however long you go, this is where I need to sit. And, and just pray. But it doesn't, you got to create space. There's a time where I had to say, I'm, I'm just going to spend time with my kids. i got to set it aside. There's always things that's going to pull and tug us away from that. Well, one of the things that... Uh, Jenny and I have been doing the last few weeks that's been... Amazing. We're, we're, I always title things, so I'm kind of weird that way. Everything has to have a title, you know. So we're doing uh, what, what I'm calling 30 days of health, you know. Uh, and, and it's just really, I looked at my life, and this is something that I felt like I should do in December, but I'm just now getting to it in March. Um, and so it was like, I want to get healthy spiritually in my relationship with God. I want to be healthy relationally with my kids and family and, and healthy physically and all those sort of areas. One of the things we've been doing, we're, this is day 14. By the way, we're on day 14, uh, is just no TV. No, it's, so the last 14 days, we haven't watched TV. We watched like two family movies. It's amazing. Just in creating space... One, what has happened the first few days was kind of hard, but all of a sudden, those spaces and those moments, because we asked this question in previous series, you know, are the rhythms of your life numbing or nourishing? And for me, when life gets full and chaotic, I always go to the numbing. It's, you know, either eat a lot of food or, uh, you know, watch a lot of TV and just to have that completely cut out. And the conversations I've had with my kids, and the conversations I've had with my wife, and the conversations I've gotten to have with God. And maybe for you, you just might experiment, try it, and just go. But relationships always take intentionality. They always take a level of discipline. you got to go, okay, I'm going to set aside. i got to create space. So this week, would you join us in the 40 days of prayer? I love um, Eugene Peterson's quote here. It's at the bottom of your notes as we close and talk about prayer. I can be active and pray. I can work and pray. But I cannot be busy and pray. I cannot be inwardly rushed, distracted, or dispersed. In order to pray, I have to be paying more attention to God than to what people are saying to me, to God, than my clamoring ego. And so as we close, I'm going to invite the band to come on up. I'm actually not going to close per se in prayer. I'm going to invite us to close in prayer. I just want to close with this question, and then I'm going to leave a section of time, and the band will start to play. Um, For you just to bring you to God, to do what we've talked about, not to run from this moment, but there's some things that have stirred up and bubbled up as we've been talking. Here's the question. Is there anything keeping you from bringing your heart and your needs to your Heavenly Father? I mean, just as we, is there any tension in your soul as we've been talking for the last 35 minutes? Is there any tension in your soul of bringing your needs And bringing your heart to God. If it is, would you identify it? Don't try to fix it. Don't try to solve it. Don't try to, just bring it to God. And just say, God, I'm having a hard time here. I'm having a hard time trusting you as Father. I'm wrestling with, or in this situation, would you take a moment identify what it is, bring it before him, allow God in the middle of that moment, perhaps in the middle of the mess, and sit with him and invite him in. Would you just take a moment with him?